0: Welcome to Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? Good. We're in Brisbane. We're in Brisbane for the design conference. Yeah.
1: And uh, we're about to go on stage pretty soon and do the Q&A, which are are you ready? No, never ready for that sort of stuff. But you know, it's going to be fun. It was nice last night just hanging out with all the speakers and just getting to know them. And, and so I feel I feel bit. a little bit more confident. so yeah. that's okay. But in this episode, we're actually uh, we've got Nuno Silva from Toronto, Canada, who is the VP of Product for Stocksy, a well-known commercial photographer in his own right. But he's one of the founding members of Stocksy. So welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Um, Stocks is a bit different isn't it because it's it's run as a collective
2: or as co-op. a cooperative yeah yeah so what what does that actually mean yeah so we when we first started uh we needed to find a, a business model that allowed us to pay our artists uh absolutely as much as possible um as well as give them a, a voice and uh, allow us to be extremely transparent on how the business was run and have the artist uh, members uh sort of have an ownership stake uh, mm. in the business because uh, we've all come from from uh, past sort of stock photo agencies and knew that there were a lot of pitfalls and a lot of negativity um, surrounding that industry. and so we thought that we'd try to do something better. Um, so we started a, a cooperative and it kind of just worked out that everything we wanted to do from a, an ethical and business standpoint fit perfectly in the cooperative model. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, that's what we've been doing and what we've sort of been evangelizing. So to talk more about that cooperative model is that as a, like if I'm a photographer, what what does that give me? Uh, so first of all, we're extremely transparent, so we we give uh, between fifty and seventy five percent royalties to our artists for every license sold and um, one of our major competitors is probably paying between fifteen and twenty percent, so it's quite high right uh, and then on top of that, um, we give out ninety percent of the surplus profit back to the contributor class right. Uh, the other ten percent is split between employees and founders. so Wow, so it's a
1: massive so as a as a being a photographer yourself that clearly
2: has massive appeal right I would assume and you know the other agencies that uh, that we had been involved with are sort of uh, VC or outside investor funded and so the the interest or the purpose of the business is more to sort of pay back those VCs of those investors and not really acknowledging that the artists are the the core of the business and so it it almost became essential that um, that we had to set up this model and to sort of Change the tide of how the industry was going at the time. How did that start, though? Was that a bunch of you sitting in a room going, <laughs> "This has
1: to change, man"?
2: Uh, almost. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So our our founders uh, were the same founders as uh, as iStock, um, and they sold to Getty Images. Um, ah, right. And then things started to kind of change over there, and and there was a lot of pressure to sort of lower the royalty levels and to sort of take more money to 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 sort of pay off these debts that they had accrued and these loans um, and so the the founders uh Brianna Wettlaufer is actually our CEO she's uh she's sort of the visionary uh for the company started hearing from from photographers that were still involved in the industry I said look you know we need you guys to come back we need you guys to start something new and that's sort of how this idea started brewing mm. and, and at the same time you know this is back in 2012, 2013. Uh, stock photography had been, become this awful cliche, this really yep. negative. Yep. Everybody hated stock. Nobody wanted to use stock. We were all embarrassed to even shoot it. And what was happening is, as photographers, we were shooting uh, quantity over quality. So we were just yep. shooting, just getting as, out there, just getting it out there, getting thousands of photos up. So you'd go in a studio and you get a model. And you say, okay, now you're a doctor, now you're a patient, now you're a teacher, now you're a student, now you're eating food, now you're happy. Like it just, You just go and just smash out all these really shitty images because that was the only way that you could add up all these pennies to yep. actually make a yep. decent living. Yep.
0: Yep. Yep. And so it was just like a scatterfire approach, like we'll just throw everything against the wall and hope something sticks.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just cheapest production uh, you could possibly imagine um, because, you know, you weren't getting paid that much. And so we really hated the, the look of stock photography and, and Brianna having a, a design background. You know, had this idea and, she, you know, Pinterest was becoming really popular back then and, and Instagram and and watching other people shooting amazing photography and really raising the level of what photography could be. Uh, she looked at that and said, you know, I would love stock photography to be at this mm-hmm. level and even higher. I'd love to change what stock photography looks like while paying the artists an amazing amount of money. And also, but at the same time, making it sort of accessible to to buyers, so not having it at you know thousands of dollars per image, but having it at a reasonable price point, point. Yeah. and in turn paying the artist as much as possible. So even though the price is slightly lower than you know most premium collections, the artists make the equivalent because of the, the royalty structure.
1: So you talked about her being an ex-designer, but you are an ex-designer as well, yeah.
2: I am, yeah. So and that's that's kind of how I started. Are you, are you
1: ever an ex-designer?
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm still <laughs> goofing around. Um, yeah, no, I um I started you know way back in the day designing rave flyers uh, when I was in my early teens, fell in love with uh, Photoshop on a mo- monochrome um, like Apple, and then was doing you know a bunch of design work, and then I needed photography for my design work, and I started uh, you know stealing images off of Google, and then somebody said, hey, you should probably start paying for them. So I found <laughs> <laughs> so I found iStock, and and in order to at the time iStock had this credit system, so if you um, you know, if you shot photos and uploaded them, and somebody bought them, you got credits so that you oh, could right. buy more images. So that's how I started shooting was to yeah. sort of get some credits back. So yeah, that and then that's how eventually I got into photography was through uh, through my design work and through working with with the stock photo agencies. Just
1: picking up on that that point though, that you know, stealing Google's images and. And then eventually realizing, I mean, I think a lot of, especially young designers go through that where they, they suddenly realize, okay, maybe I can't keep on doing it the way that I've been doing it.
2: Yeah.
1: How, what's the easiest way for them to understand the kind of stock industry so they can make that shift?
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a resurgence uh, of free, free photo sites out there. Um, Yeah. And I I honestly feel that there's a a place for everything, and and I'm not going to knock them. But I think when you're working with commercial clients or anything that's, you know, making money, uh, you need to have an appropriate license to use the artwork. As you, as a designer, as a creator, you want to be acknowledged and, um, you know, paid for your work. It's really important that you sort of reciprocate that industry-wide. And photographers are artists, obviously. The other thing uh, as well to make it really easy and to sort of put a little bit of fear in everybody is that um stock photography uh in general and especially like most of the major agencies um, we vet everything for releases and for trademarks and we make sure that you can actually use it commercially that you won't be sued that the uh, rights holder won't chase after you and a lot of these free sites they don't have uh the capability or the uh, resources to vet the content that they're accepting from their Uh, from their contributors so you know you'll see people you'll see products you'll see trademarks um, but none of that is released and if you use that in a commercial capacity there's some severe uh, liability risks for you and your clients yeah what's your process for taking on new photographers right yeah that's uh it's a an uncomfortable topic. Um, <laughs> Perfect. That's why right. I'll, just, I'll,
0: just, I'll just pop in every couple of minutes you know, at, and ask something incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thank you. Uh, yeah, because of the business model and, and sort of the, the hype that we had gotten, uh, we had you know we've had tens of thousands of applications mm. uh, from photographers that want to join the cooperative, but we've actually limited the number of shares that we have available. Just because of how we needed the business model to become sustainable. So mm. of those tens of thousands, we've uh, only been able to accept about 900. We're actually capped at 1,000. Um, and I think it's, we're just over 900 now, probably like 960 or 970 now at this point. So we've had to become extremely, extremely selective of who comes on board. And w- you know some of the things we're trying to be really conscious of is that we don't want people coming on board that... Uh, are shooting the same things that we already have a ton of. Yeah. Uh, we need people in, in very specific geographic regions so we have uh, like localized content. And we also need to make sure that they're uh, engaged. Uh, and then first and foremost, that they're amazing artists and, uh, and can definitely add to the sort of the aesthetic uh, vision. You know? How do you keep track of all that? It's like the biggest spreadsheet in the world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah our, our devs are awesome. They're absolutely amazing. We have a full back-end system, uh, an application process. The application process is actually a three-step process where you kind of submit some samples of your work and some, some portfolio images. If you pass that level, um, then we will probably uh, call you up and, and have a bit of a Skype chat and, and make sure that you know you're, that you're cool and that we'd like to work with you and that you like what we're trying to do. And then from there, you know, there's sort of a group of, uh, of content editors and the content team that sort of say, okay, yes, this guy. And so there's like this whole three-step right. uh, vetting process. And we're, um, we've been really lucky. We have some amazing talent on the site. Yeah. So I just want to pause for a second yeah. and talk about your shoes. Right on. <laughs>
1: so they are some pretty impressive shoes. Now for the audience they are adidas with a gold they're the tortoise the tortoise shell classics yeah right yeah Yeah.
2: superstar shell toes
1: yeah where where did you get those from
2: (laughs) i am uh this is sort of my my embarrassing thing i I am absolutely addicted to um it's called my adidas and it's where you can customize adidas shoes oh wow um so not 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 the run run dmc song well, they're probably based on the song, actually. Um, but yeah, it's mi.adidas.com. Yeah. Um, and so they have this 3D uh, sort of shoe that you can start changing all the elements and picking custom elements for your shoe. I, and I, was, I was telling Kai, who's who's traveling with me, that I was looking for uh, through some old photos. And I've been wearing shell toes for way too fucking long. Like, all my shoes are, are Adidas shell toes. And the fact that Adidas lets me make my own, like, one-of-a-kind custom pair, yeah. I'm, I'm hooked. It's it's breaking the bank.
0: That's yeah. awesome. I've, I've got a couple of pairs. I've always had a good new pair of Adidas shell toes yeah. as well. I don't I didn't bring them up with
2: me. Yeah, and I thought these would be, like, rubber uh, yeah. shell toes, but they're actually metal, so they're kind of clangy. Um, yeah. And then my wife saw them, and she has an exact matching pair now. Uh, uh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Cool. <laughs> Jumping back to Stocksy. Yeah your so you
1: started as director of content i did yeah and now you're the vp of product yeah what's what's the difference between those
2: not much well there is there's a significant difference actually um when we first started we were you know the startup mode uh everybody wore a billion different hats um i think at the time we probably had like four five or six people sitting around a large table. Uh, and I chose the title of uh, Director of Content because at the time, a lot of what I was working on was onboarding new photographers, uh, onboarding our uh, editor team. And so I thought that that title would just sort of fit uh, for the role at the time. But because we're still kind of a startup and we're quite nimble and I, and I wear a lot of hats, you know, my, my title doesn't mean... Too much because I've, I've just been involved with uh, sort of all the facets of Stoxy. I think uh, I helped write the first license agreements, I helped uh, onboard some of the first enterprise clients, um, and then I worked with the dev team developing the products as well. Uh, I didn't do it alone by any means but i've just sort of had my my fingers and every little you sort part. of never take go away from that do you, you I, i'm that annoying nosy guy that's like hey what are you guys working on can i help that's
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot like that's a lot like i'm at here <laughs> <laughs> i've never done that yeah. yeah story of your life i was noticing like kind of flicking through a lot of your work you travel you seem to travel all the time yeah um yeah. is that something that like you're super passionate about is it something to do with the photography or is it a nice kind of extra yeah,
2: I, I started traveling a lot with, with photography uh, when I was uh, when I was shooting a lot. Um, there were a lot of opportunities to sort of travel around the world and meet other photographers that were sort of shooting stock as well. Collaborating with them and working with them on shoots. So that's where I think I got my first sort of travel bug. Mm. And then I've been really fortunate working with Stocksy that I've had the opportunity to sort of travel around the world to visit clients and visit photographers and, and to speak on, on panels and discussions. So it's something I'm I'm really, really stoked on. I absolutely love it.
0: Mm. We're obviously in Brisbane at the moment, but you were just talking about how much you hate Sydney. Is that right?
2: <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I did. Yeah. I, did. <laughs> I, I did. I did hate Sydney. And I think you know people, uh, people f- around Australia not in Sydney Probably I've heard them share similar sentiments. <laughs> uh, but yeah, truthfully, uh, we, we've just come back from Sydney. We're, uh, so it's my second visit there, and I, I've comp- done a complete 180. I absolutely love it now. I, When I was there the previous year, uh, I was kind of stuck in the middle of the CBD. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what to do. Uh, when I went to Bondi, you guys had one of the worst hurricane storms ever, <laughs> uh, probably around this time last year. And so that was my view of your beach was yeah. uh, massive waves killing surfers on rocks. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't appreciate it at all. Uh, but then uh, this year uh, we got to see I think the real Sydney, which was just absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. That's so cool. now it's my, my second favorite city in Australia.
0: There we go. So so what so what was the purpose of the traveling around? Like obviously we're here right now in Brisbane for the design conference, which you guys are um, sponsoring, so you're yeah. helping helping make happen, which is awesome. Um, but why why Sydney and, and everywhere else you went?
2: Yeah. So first and foremost, we're actually here for the design conference. Uh, we're huge fans of uh, of what Matt and Zach and, and his team are, are doing here. Um, when we when we first met Matt on on Skype, he. He got it and and we just jived right away. I think our first Skype, we were cracking open beers and, and just having a like it's probably about two and a half, three hours that we just sat around and shot the shit because like we just got we got him. Yeah. Hmm. Um so you know, we're here as as a major sponsor. Um really excited um to just be a part of it. So uh, having flown all that way, uh, we're also Kind of interested in Australia because uh, Australia is our second largest market, which is uh, really it, it's unreal. Um, wow!
1: Okay.
2: And industry wide, it should be like fifth or sixth compared mm. to you know UK and Germany and mm. France, and uh, so we were surprised uh, how well we've been we've been doing here. So that's first of all why we met Matt in the first place is uh, to do more in Australia so yeah piggybacking on that event uh you know it took me 26 hours to fly here so i thought fuck i should just go to melbourne (laughs) yeah uh meet some of our clients meet some of our photographers uh and then also uh work with an organization uh, here called bccm which is uh the business council of cooperatives and mutuals right uh and so they're doing some great things evangelizing uh sort of the cooperative model and um and the mutual model and sort of informing australians of how uh, important cooperatives are to, to their society. So they've helped us with some events in, in Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, and then while we're there, obviously, uh, doing some client visits and giving them some swag and yeah, yeah. Talking all things stocksy.
1: Yeah. Cool. So, and I noticed on one of your bios, uh, that you've got, that you've got a very supportive wife and <laughs> yes. family. <laughs> yes. Uh, is that linking back to how much you are away and the kind of work life balance?
2: Definitely. And also how, how, many hours i i do work um but yeah my wife you know if if i'm home for too long if i'm home for more than let's say a month uh if you know but usually about the 8 week range uh i start getting antsy and cranky and um and she says okay well when are you going again what's the next trip yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no my my wife is uh is extremely cool i i i, I don't know how uh she's still with me uh she's <laughs> an absolute angel. Um, I think this is a common
1: problem, isn't it? For people working in the creative fields yeah. because it is not just your typical sort of nine to five job. No, you, you're always thinking about it or you're going away to do something or that kind of stuff. I mean,
2: yeah, it's long hours. And, and when you're working in a creative thing, it's, it's a passion. Uh, it's a passion and it's a purpose. It's not a, a nine to five job that I can just check out at 5pm and just, you know, be normal. I, I can't. This is I live and breathe this. When I was doing uh, all the photography work, man, like she would come in the studio and I would have a uh, butt naked, gorgeous woman just standing there, and I and she would just like smile. So yep, there he is, doing his work. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I don't know what other profession. where's your camera? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know what other profession you get away with that in, but yeah, she's been always extremely supportive of. Uh, of not only my art but also my desire to travel and to um, and to do the things that I'm really passionate about and um, yeah I'm definitely very lucky that I, I found somebody that's that understanding. Have you got kids? Yeah so I have one son uh, his name's Lucas and he's uh, he's nine yeah and he, he gets a kick out of it too you know I think he he has fun telling his friends that his, his daddy's in Australia I just bought him some kangaroos testicles um, I don't know if you guys know but you have those in your gift shops you can buy a scrotum <laughs> keychain. We have
1: lots of things the gift <laughs> shop that we don't know of.
2: yeah so I just I bought him that so he's gonna get a kick out of that I go home and, and I bring all kinds of fun stuff and he gets to brag to his friends that his daddy's in all these cool places are you,
1: are you gonna be able to take him on trips he's getting probably to around the right age I, to appreciate
2: it yeah I've taken him on a couple um, but yeah I was actually hoping to bring him on this trip but it uh, didn't work out but yeah he's, he's getting to the age now he's gonna start following me around nice one yeah so another personal question please Um, the tattoo on your arm oh right on yeah this one's super personal
1: so it says we start the voyage home in our wounded vessel
2: yeah so this is a a quote from Wes Anderson movie Life Aquatic it's towards the end of the movie uh, when Zizou uh, is heading back after his uh, crazy adventure where he'd lost his son and uh, is traveling in his beaten boat uh, back home so I was uh, living in Vancouver. Uh, and I'd in, I'm originally from Toronto. All my family's from Toronto. Um, and I was living in Vancouver for about 11 years. And so, first of all, I'm a huge fan of Life Aquatic. And that's mm-hmm. like, it just hits a bunch of emotional triggers for me. Uh, I love being on the ocean. I, I love Bill Murray. I just, the whole, everything about that movie is fantastic. Yeah. And so, I was living in Vancouver uh, for about 11 years, just had my son. Uh, I got, uh, I got sick, uh, with cancer. Uh, I got better. I survived. And then I went back home to, to Toronto. Wow. And so the quote just resonated with me, uh, on so many different levels. Uh, plus it's the Futura font, which is the Wes Anderson font for, yeah. for that era of movies. And one of my favorite, favorite fonts ever. And it's also the font in the Toronto subway system uh, right. platform. So visually it, it looks like Toronto and it talks <laughs> about going back home uh, yeah. in my in my wounded vessel and uh yeah. Wow. Wow. So how got really personal really fast. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> this
0: is what the show is all about. Have you had your coffee yet? <laughs> yeah, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So
1: um wow get so surviving cancer. I mean yeah. before and after different mindset.
2: Um Yeah, for sure. Uh, I definitely took, uh, a lot of things for granted. Uh, I, my lifestyle was, uh, was quite different. Um, so now I'm very sort of conscious of, of what I'm putting in my body and and where I am. Um, so yeah, that's, it just became important for me to sort of be conscious of that and to sort of, it also helped me face sort of mortality and and looking at my one-year-old son and thinking maybe I'm not going to be around yeah yeah God. i
1: don't i don't even know if i could do that that's amazing
2: yeah no it's it sucked but at the same time i had this sort of um this mindset that i was i was a tourist mm-hmm. and so i was in uh is i can't believe we're getting this deep <laughs> yeah i was in sort of the, you have these chemotherapy rooms where uh all these like cancer patients are all sitting around getting their their chemotherapy iv uh put into them and, there are people with much, much worse cancers and much worse conditions than me, you know, like bone cancer, brain cancer, yeah. blood cancer, cancer. That's like now all over your body. And it's just fucking brutal. Uh, and I know this probably sounds cold, but, I put on my headphones. I watched, I think I was watching, I was binge watching Firefly uh, in the IT crowd and I just shut them out and I said, you know, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm not going to socialize with you. I'm just a fucking tourist here. I'm going to be in and out. This is it. And mm. But what would happen is all these people, like they're just going through this mutual suffering would look mm. to each other for, um, you know, just to talk to each other, to socialize because you, know, you kind of knew what everybody was going through. But I didn't want to know. Yeah. I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be mm. One of those people, and so I just had that mindset. I'm just here for a short little trip. I'm just a fucking tourist. Uh, after my nine weeks are done, I'm out of here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that uh, it sucks, and I, I just I felt like shit for shutting those people out, but really? yeah. it's what I needed to to survive at well, that moment and get out.
1: Yeah, mm. I mean, there's just that's your coping me- mechanism. That's that's. What I, you, I couldn't help them. Yeah.
2: I, I couldn't help them, and and they couldn't help me. I just needed mm. to do this on my own. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a very depressing room. Well, yeah, wow. glad Sorry. you're still here with us. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's not end the interview on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was wondering how we're going to segue to um, trends in stock photography. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. um, <laughs> I'm trying to trying to trying to figure out how to do that, but um, I don't think that was it. <laughs> so trends in stock photography. Uh, no, like something I'm seeing a lot more lately is cinematography. Yeah. And I had noticed yeah. that it's been popping up a little bit more um, in in Stocksy and some other places as well. I've seen tutorials on how to do it now. This this like it's a trend, right? Yeah. Um but I'm seeing it with digital billboards and everything as yeah. well. Is this something you guys are seeing with Stocksy as well?
2: Yeah, also, you know, part of the cooperative, the the membership voted uh, to to have uh, video and footage uh, as part of the collection, not just stills. A lot of our uh, members had uh, cameras that were capable of shooting video so it started to really appeal to them that they could start creating mm. uh, motion. I'm actually traveling with uh, with Kine and Tate who's uh, head of our video team uh, content um, director and um, you yeah, know we brought him on board because we needed somebody that really understood uh, footage and, and motion and can really help us identify those trends and, and see how that would fit within our within our collection. Mm. So it's it's been great to see and um yeah, he's been telling me all about vertical video uh, on this trip, which has been awesome. What's vertical? What's ver-
0: yeah, is that when mm-hmm. someone holds their iPhone the wrong way? Okay, do you mind if I hand? Yeah, give it up. You've been patiently just supporting with nods and <laughs> nods and smiles.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, vertical video is one of those trends that came about with the advent of shooting video on cell phones right and because everyone holds their cell phones ah. vertically when they wanted to film something they always just filmed it vertically without thinking about it so but this, is, this is what i'm like saying to my wife
1: no you're holding it the wrong way <laughs> right she's yeah. actually started a trend it right you. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> so artists always look down their nose at people who film vertically because yeah. they thought you know you're not even thinking about what you're doing you just turn it on to video mode and it was kind of verboten in the for a serious artists to shoot vertically but for stock or for for advertising purposes because we consume so much of our media on our phones yeah. on a you know vertically oriented screen i think it, there's there's an extreme advantage for advertisers to be to take advantage of that because you know with all of our social media platforms um auto playing video they all do it now mm. i mean from from Snapchat to Facebook and Instagram, you're scrolling through your through your feeds and all yeah. the videos auto-load. So if you have a vertical video playing that takes up the entire screen, I mean, that's that's sort of, that's exactly what an advertiser that's, that's is looking for. That's the screen for. architecture, right. yeah, yeah. The key, there, or, or what people never did or ha- are, are only just starting to do is, is shooting it vertically on purpose with intention and composing it within mm. a vertical window, which there's never been any reason to do that for filmmakers before, because, you know, movies are on a horizontal screen. So, yeah, that's a trend that I think will certainly, we will be seeing much, much more of, um, is thoughtfully shot vertical video. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's been used traditionally for uh, like haute couture high fashion brands. They'll have their uh, runway videos being played vertically in their stores. But yeah, um, just for for advertisers, specifically on mobile, I just think it's a big uh, trend and something that, photographers or videographers in the in the stock world really need to think seriously about
0: right so it's just going to be a huge need for it you know absolutely coming, yeah. coming next wow yeah. yeah pretty interesting
1: i wanted to ask about the uh, digital media licensing association as well because you're a pretty active member in
2: that. right on yeah yeah so i'm i'm sitting on the board um for the last year and a bit and so dmla was formerly paca which is the Picture Association, something yeah. Council of America. So it's now it's international, and now it's about digital media, and not just pictures. Um, so a lot of the major stock agencies and stock libraries are, are members of DMLA. Uh, it's sort of a trade trade organization, yeah. and uh, they meet every year. So yes, yeah, so I'm. Uh, you know, I started uh, there with a previous company, and then once uh, I told Stoxy about it, and said, you know, you guys need to to join this. Um, they're a fantastic legal resource. They do all the they do, do all the government lobbying to make sure that um, artists and rights and licensors are uh, being protected. Yeah, so they have a very big say uh, in in how uh, licensing and the licensing industry is being run in the United States and, and worldwide.
1: Does that bring us? It's back? It's not really
2: exciting, but it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's important. It's important. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to. Work. So how does that then impact on copyright
2: and? Yeah, so it's a lot of, you know, copyright protection, um, you know, hearing about things like Orphan Works um, or... What's an Orphan Work? Uh, so let's say that you, you find an image and you absolutely love it and you want to use it, but there's no way that you can find out who created it. Ah, okay. What does that mean? Can you still use it? Can you still license it? Mm-hmm. Who owns it? And so that's considered an orphan work, and so there's this debate about uh, the legalities of using that commercially. Then there's uh, so, what,
1: so what, what? What is it? Sorry, I'm just going to dig into that. So what? What? What, what is the debate? So obviously, some people are saying yes, you can because no
2: one owns it. So. Right, and then how much? What is due diligence in finding the owner? Right. Is it ten minutes on Google? Is mm-hmm. it searching through you know the copyright archives? I, I
1: asked Flynn. He didn't know. Yeah. I asked <laughs> asked that
2: guy. And he said, and so, yeah, it's um, so, th- so, you know, that that's um, that's pretty great. And it's also great to sort of meet everybody else um, in the industry. Obviously, Stocksy trying to change um, the industry and we're trying to change how uh, photographers and creatives are treated. And um So I think it's really important for Stocksy to have a voice at the table and to also talk to these other organizations and show them that, you know, this business model of paying photographers as much as we possibly can is actually working. We're actually succeeding. We're doing great things. Um, And we're talking to to our competitors and, you know, they're lowering their royalties. They're paying artists less and less and less. Mm. So it's great to have this other voice at the table. So that's that's really cool. And it's also really cool to realize that, you know, everybody else there are they're people, they're humans and they care and they give a shit about photographers. They're not out there to rip them off. They're not trying to, to, you know, destroy livelihoods. Um, but, you know, that they have these sort of, uh, you know, issues where their overheads are too high or they have all these loans and debts. And so you, you, you kind of start realizing what the state of the industry is just by communicating and having these relationships with these folks. And um, a lot of them are great creative people with the same passions and they're in the industries for the same reasons that we are. Uh, we're just fortunate that we found this business model that, uh, yeah. that works for us. Mm-hmm. So what does a
1: photographer do if they can't be one of the thousand
2: that's a really good question. Um, get, get better. I <laughs> yeah, get better. Um, there's, there's a lot of avenues for a photographer. And when I, um, when I first started, obviously, I was just starting just to get some credits to buy more images for my clients. But then eventually, uh, some doors started opening up where I started getting some commercial gigs um, and started working for uh, advertisers or brands directly. There's just a ton of avenues. And I, I've met a lot of photographers that have some really creative business models and that's essentially what it is, is is to sort of find the thing that you're really great at and just pursue the heck out of it and don't give up. Um, And there, you know, there's not just stock licensing, there's commercial photography, portrait photography, uh, reportage, editorial. There's some, I met some amazing photographers. Um, You know, they, they're not rich, uh, you know, far from, but they're making ends meet and they're shooting things that they're really passionate about. Uh, especially, you know, passion projects, uh, like where you're documenting, um, some issue that you're really, that's really important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think as, as artists, um, myself included, as long as I can, uh, pay the bills and pay rent, I'm happy. Like as long as I can do the thing that I really, really love, uh, I'm happy. I don't need to, to, make millions and become super famous. I just want to do what I really care about and I know that sounds kind of idealistic, but um I think once you find that happiness, you just don't give a shit about money anymore.
1: I <laughs> think I think more and more people are moving towards that kind of idea as well. It's like, you know, I've got enough. Yeah. Can, I'm happy doing what I do and if I get to spend more time doing what I love, then that's great.
2: Yeah, but just not that sort of grind, I guess. And you don't realize it until you get a taste of it. Yeah, I think a lot of folks that you know maybe are listening and are saying, oh, that's bullshit." You know, I I need to make my millions and retire early. Yeah, uh, they they haven't found the thing yet because I think once you find that thing that uh, that fulfills you and fills that that hole that you're trying to fill with money. Uh, you start realizing that it's it's not that important, and, and life is important, and, and enjoying your life is important. Mm. And as uh, as artists and creators, uh, that's what we're put here to do.
1: Yeah. So I, I just want to know the future.
2: of I want to know the future. Um, <laughs> we're living in the future. Do you know <laughs> yeah. that? Like it's still Wednesday. What day is it today? Like it's, oh yeah, yeah oh, exactly. we're like a day ahead over here. How does that feel? <laughs> Has
1: it changed? <laughs> Sun still comes up. We, um, so we, we've got vertical videography yeah what what else is on the horizon for stock or photography that you guys are excited about
2: um maybe not necessarily on the horizon but I think what's definitely changing um are is the what the audience is capable of swallowing uh I think cheesy cliche crap photography is is more than dead at this point I think uh when when you start looking at really shitty stock photography it will actually probably damage your brand Um, it it, because people they've seen it, they know about it. It's now this public joke. It's not like this, you know, a few years ago, it was kind of this, you know, side snicker that only designers kind of knew about. But nowadays, you know, my mother knows what a shitty stock photo looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the, now that more and more people are able to shoot great photos, you know, you have these fantastic uh, cameras on your phones, um, you're being exposed to Instagram and all these other sort of media feeds like crazy the, the bar has been raised yeah. as to what an acceptable visual aesthetic is um, and I think that that's where things are going is that photography and visual media is just getting better and better and better and more exciting and there's more people involved in it uh, people, The younger people one of my son's friends uh, actually Brianne, our CEO's uh, son, uh, Soze, he's like nine, and he's got his own YouTube channel. He's yeah. producing his own content, yeah. and he's nine years old. I don't know half of what he's doing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's really blowing my mind that, that you know, the younger and younger people are becoming involved in, in visual media, and that means that when when Soze is, you know, 20 or 25, the shit that he's going to produce is going to be mind-blowing because yeah. he's now been doing it for so yeah. long. Yeah.
0: I'll often Google, you know, to do something, some sort of, photoshop trick or a video editing trick and it sounds like there's some 11 year old kid just going okay guys all you got to do is open up this folder like really like (laughs) how does this guy know so much more and to produce that as a youtube well and there's there's just a
2: ton of it so you know the the cream is rising to the top and it's Mm. just it's getting better and better and uh you just you don't have to compromise anymore with um with visual media like you don't have to because it's gotten so good Mm. uh and so accessible so I think that's that's where things are going. Is that that bar is just going to be getting lifted r- higher and higher, and um, you know you got to you got to step up. Cool. Yeah, I've been talking with a lot of people about um, artificial intelligence
1: as well lately. Yeah, how yeah. is that going to impact your business?
2: We're super excited about it. I think um, on a just on a you know really basic level uh, as a photographer one of the shittiest things you have to do is keyword your images yeah. uh and attach sort of metadata to them because mm. as as an artist you just want to just create a pretty picture you don't want to have to like define it or write about it like even artists you know when you have to write that little thing underneath your yeah. painting explaining <laughs> the <laughs> the feeling um so we, we all hate that so no, we want to post rationalizing <laughs> yeah. just rationalizing why I use that color um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so we're hoping that computers can do that for us. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, from, from that very basic level, uh, we're really excited about sort of fixing the search problem. And I think um, that's actually one of the biggest challenges of uh, a visual media online is, uh, is cataloging um, a visual thing. Because as, a, as somebody looking for something visual to tell me that, that I need to put letters to describe a visual thing is very mm-hmm. counterintuitive you know so you use one media to describe another one it's, it's really hard uh, like even searching for audio like mm. how do you yeah. describe the sound or the it, it, you have a very finite number of words mm. um, so hopefully uh, with artificial intelligence and computer vision and uh, machine learning we will start to have a better uh, mental sort of transference uh, that you know this is the thing I'm thinking of find it for me yeah. uh, and then artists can have the sort of the machine catalog and index it and, and do whatever it needs to do in order to make that much much easier so um, from a sort of a media world I think that's that's where we're really um, sort of hyped to see
0: do you think that sort of thing could help with, you were talking about accreditation almost like, you know, finding finding photographers and mm-hmm. do you think with the metadata that you were kind of talking about, do you think the kind of machine learning could kind of help that in the future? Yeah, like,
2: and it's already started and yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. Um, so, yeah, we've, you know, not only finding Orphan Works, but finding uh, how your images are being used and, and how they're being licensed. There's a ton of web crawlers out there now that you know you just shoot them a little JPEG and then right away they say okay your photo's been displayed on these hundred websites and mm. uh, and all that stuff. So we, you know there's a bunch of ambulance chasers right now that are sort of trying to profit from that. And we don't really believe in it, but um, you know it is it is being used uh, quite a bit. Yeah, great, yeah.
0: Um, and finally, we are here, probably getting towards the end of the episode, but we are um, here. At brisbane design conference is yeah. there anyone you're looking forward to to speaking we want to kind of talk a little bit about that in the next couple of episodes we do mm. um, anyone that jumps out
2: no not really uh i mean i'm being completely honest um last year i was here um i thought okay we're a sponsor i'm gonna have to put on my biz dev shoes not my shiny gold ones <laughs> so i was gonna have to put on my biz dev shoes and i would have to do a bunch of handshaking and networking and try to you know be a business dude um I ended up spending the entire time in the auditorium with my jaw on the floor. I, it blew my mind at how inspirational each one of the speakers were, no matter how big or how small or where they came from or what they did, even if it related to me or not. It is uh, an absolutely inspiring thing to sort of witness these people talking about their passion and what drives them. So yeah, I'm, completely open mind i'm ready to have my mind blown by just about anybody that's yeah. here
0: and it's kind of like i'm um, not watching the trailer to movies and then going to the movie just so you get the whole fresh experience right. from the totally. beginning all right well thank you so much for, thank you. for your time this morning and great. um great and so what we usually do is where can people find you where can people find your photography or where would you like to point people if they wanted to find out more about what you're doing uh
2: most definitely stocksy.com uh, s-t-o-c-k-s-y.com um and i'm at slash nuno i don't have very many photos on there because our artist is so much better than me um and don't look at my website because it's really old but yeah definitely uh, lots, check check lots of cheesy stock photography out oh there. i know it's so bad <laughs> i came from there uh, at, le- at least i know where i've come from and <laughs> yeah. but now if you want to see where i'm going uh check out yeah stocksy.com um and on social media it's at stocksy united brilliant excellent thanks very much
0: um and you can follow our show as well um, at ausdesignradio.com um, follow us on twitter instagram soundcloud at ausdesignradio. radio thanks nuno thank you thank you guys Cheers.